Ignition sequence start. Standing by for solid rocket booster separation. Five, four, three, two, one. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. All right, uh, liftoff and the clock has started. Yes, sir. Reading you loud and clear. New and exclusive. You're listening to Voyager. Discovery's four computers now have primary control of critical vehicle function. Now it's time for Voyager Radio. The very best of house, trance and progressive. A musical journey into infinity. With Suzanne Chesterton. Hey guys, hope you're well. Thanks for tuning into Voyager Radio. This is episode 100 and I've got a massive show for you this week. The Golden Discs are back and in just a few minutes I'm going to be joined by one of the greatest musicians in trance music. Solar Stone will be here choosing 10 tracks to represent planet Earth. For those of you who haven't tuned into one of these shows before, just let me explain. So back in the 1970s, NASA burnt music and sounds of Earth onto the Golden Records, which were made from 12-inch gold-plated copper discs. They were sent off into infinity on Voyager 1 and 2 and they're still travelling into space waiting for an alien life force to find them. The year is now 2020 and we've been given the task of catching up with some of the greatest musicians in today's world to find out tracks that they would select for the mission. Joining me all the way from his studio in Wales this week in just a few minutes is the legendary Richard Mowat, aka Solarstone. So I'm kicking off the show with one of my all-time favourite Solarstone tracks this is solar coaster golden disc special only on voyager radio Thank you. 
Golden Disc Special, only on Voyager Radio. Salvete qui cumque estis, onam erga vos voluntatim abemus, et pacem per astra ferimus. Si anibin alem atraue. Odi diano. Per esulaimo previtis nascono svitu, bajaimo stasia, zoroia e nohea lita. This is the Golden Discs on Voyager Radio. You are tuned into episode 100 of Voyager Radio. The Golden Discs are back and this time we welcome one of the world's biggest trance producers and you might recognise him as the man behind the pure trance movement. From a personal perspective, he's helped me so much with my own music. Not only has he signed my tracks, but he's been amazing in helping me develop as a producer and he's genuinely one of my favourite people in the world. So it's my pleasure to welcome Solarstone onto Voyager Radio. Hiya Rich, thank you for coming onto the show. What a lovely introduction. That's really nice. That's really nice. Nice to see you. Nice to hear you. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not so bad, actually. How, how are you doing? Uh, how's lockdown treating you? I, I'm kind of used to it now. I had, a, I had a, a few wobbly moments, a bit of a meltdown at one point, but I've just uh, been using the time to make music. So what is it that you're uh, working on at the minute? I've made a new album. Oh my goodness, really? Yes, I've made a whole new 10-track album, which is coming out on the 28th of September. And it is called, it's called Island. So what was your inspiration for that? It was really about how Ibiza wasn't happening and nobody was going away. And I really missed it. And I wanted to make an album of music for people who weren't able to go to Ibiza this year. So it's kind of like a love letter to Ibiza. It's like represents a day on the island and it's very solar stone. It's very Balearic, Balearic. It's got a, it's kind of like a journey of music, like kind of like you get to the island and you're on the beach and then you go out for drinks and then you have dinner and then you get ready and then you go out and then you get wasted and then you're recovering. So it kind of tells a story of a day in Ibiza. Amazing, amazing. So speaking of music, uh, the reason that you're here is to tell us about 10 tracks that you would choose to put on board the Voyager Space sh- Shuttle to blast off to infinity for an alien life force to find them. So tell us a little bit about your first track. We're going all the way back to 1993 with Grace Not Over Yet. Yeah, that's right. Um, Grace Not Over Yet, that is like a really important record for me. Um, it's the record that I came up on my first pill to <laughs> in a gay club in Wolverhampton. <laughs> and uh, it completely opened my eyes to how electronic music sounds in that situation. And it's a really brilliant song, you know, classic Paul, Paul Oakenfold production. I think it was Oakenfold and Osborne, wasn't it? And I just really love the record. Every time I, I think it's a kind of perfect example of a, a vocal trance record. And I think that if a future civilization were to stumble upon that, I think it would be a massive eye-opener, you know, in terms of like euphoria and closing your eyes. And they've probably got their own version of uh, mood-enhancing drugs. (laughs) So, yeah, Grace, not over yet. Classic. A musical journey into infinity. Suzanne Chesterton's Golden Discs.
This is the Golden Discs on Voyager Radio. I'm Suzanne Chesterton and you are locked into the Golden Discs here on episode 100 of Voyager Radio. I'm joined by the legendary Solar Stone as he counts down the tracks. He chose to be on board the Voyager Space Shuttle to be blasted off to infinity. And that was Grace Not Over Yet, came out in 1993 on Perfecto. Um, thanks for that, Rich. We're going to move on now to your second choice. Um, this is a track, actually, that... I remember from the old, I think it was the first Euphoria mixed by PF Project. There was a track on there by Mike Coglin, The Silence. And the original to this was obviously Depeche Mode. And this is your second track. Could you tell us a little bit about this, please? Yeah, this record, um, when I was a kid in the 80s, Depeche Mode were... They were never taken seriously by the music press. They were hated, in fact, by the music press. You probably remember NME and the Melody Maker. Just They were treated as a bit of a joke. Uh, I always liked Depeche Mode, but when they released the Violator album, it was uh, 1989, I think. It was a real game changer for them because it it was like uh, it was so unique and so big and so you know so strong and such a massive sound. And um, it made a lot of people take electronic music seriously, I think. And I really love Enjoy the Silence, you know, it's so dark and brooding and so moody and it reminds me of that time in my life, you know, Acid House had just exploded and electronic music was kind of taking over from rock music and all of a sudden it was okay to to like music that wasn't all about guitars. Um, and I still love Depeche Mode and my mate Dave, Super Frog Saves Tokyo, he's a massive, uh, I always have to mention my, na- my mate Dave, he's a massive Depeche Mode fan as well and I think he feels the same about this and also the artwork, you know, the, the red rose on the black background was really, really um, groundbreaking as well I thought so I think this is like a classic British pop record which would have to be included. So just to give us a bit of context, Rich, when were you born and what what age were you in 1989 when this came out? (laughs) I was born in 1972, so I would have been uh, uh, 16 or 17. Just left school, college. I just left, I didn't go to college, just left school, moved moved from the little house in Wales to Dudley in the West Midlands in the UK, got myself a job in a pub and got into my first band. And um, yeah, we were kind of like a band called Emission and we were like electronic with guitars. So we looked up to people like Depeche Mode, you know, as an influence and proof that it could be done. Amazing. Um, so from uh, Depeche Mode, this is your second choice. This is on Enjoy the Silence. Suzanne Chesterton's Golden Discs. Right through me, can't you 
is the Golden Discs on Voyager Radio. You're listening to The Golden Discs here on Voyager Radio. I'm in the studio with one of the world's greatest musicians, Solar Stone. This week, he's with me selecting 10 songs he'd choose to represent planet Earth. And that was number two, Depeche Mode. Enjoy the silence. What a track, Rage. Amazing, amazing song. You just introduced me as one of the world's greatest musicians. I just can't let that... I no way. I mean, I'm just so not. I might be like one of the world's greatest trance producers. I'm, I'm prepared to accept that, but um, I'm definitely not one of the world's greatest musicians. What are you talking about? What were you talking I, about? I can't you, even play many instruments properly. How many? Look, I'm, I'm I'm just looking at where you are in your studio in Wales. I can see two guitars in the background. How many keyboards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I've got I've got like guitars and a double bass and banjos and bass guitars and stuff but I can play all of well I can't play the banjo at all that was my dad's oh I can't play the double bass either but 
Um, I'm kind of okay on most of them, and I can I can play them to get what I want out of them. But I couldn't stand on stage and play the whole song. But I'm a good producer, so I'll take the compliment. But <laughs> <laughs> you don't see yourself as one of the greatest musicians. But how many tracks have you released in your time? It's hard. God knows, hundreds, I suppose. I think to a lot of people, though, them listening to this, that that is how people see you. No, I do suffer from imposter syndrome very much. Yeah, God, whenever whenever I'm in the company of what I'd call a real musician you know like an excellent guitarist or violinist I always feel oh god you know this isn't really what I do it's not really it doesn't compare to that and I and yeah well not an accident but it's a different kind of thing but I don't know I'm a good I'm, I write you know I'm a good writer I'm not very good at writing lyrics um, and I'm, I can produce well but I'm not technically I'm not very good I wouldn't say I just kind of mess around with it until it sounds right and I don't think that Mozart would have said the same thing. I reckon Mo Mozart I think anybody who is at the top of their game has some form of imposter syndrome because I mean I was having a chat with Susanna on the Golden Discs actually she she was she um, ahead of her classical night and so she did like a special two-part edition of the show and she was telling me exactly the same that she suffers from it so much this imposter syndrome and she's like um, she has to reassure herself all the time because she looks around and thinks gosh it's only me what you know they're better than me they're better than me what am I doing here it's got to be a mistake so I've found that many people at the top they suffer from that well every every time I do something I, I worry that it's not up to scratch I mean when I finished the new album I sent it over to Arnie at Black Hole and um, I spent the next three days thinking, oh, he doesn't like it, I oh, thinks it's crap. I was saying to Paula, I just don't think he's going to like it, you know. And she was like, don't be ridiculous, he's a fan of yours, you know. But I, I was absolutely convinced he was going to say, to be honest, Rich, I don't think it's as good as what you've normally done and I think you should probably just release it yourself. <laughs> and then he came back and he said he loved it. So. I've, I've felt like that in the past when I send something over to you and I'm like, oh my God, he's going to hate it. He's really, really going to hate it. And then you come back and say you want to sign it. Yeah, but I come back two weeks later and you spend two weeks. <laughs> two weeks, two weeks, I'm like that. Yeah, I know, it's terrible. I, I, I'm, I'm the same and I always feel terribly guilty when an artist sends me um, something and then I don't, you know, I reply like two weeks later, oh, is it still available? I know that they spent two weeks thinking, oh, I might as well just commit suicide, you know, because nobody, I'm never going to have a career in music. I might as well just go and uh, <laughs> become a security guard or whatever. No offence to security guards, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. <laughs> So. It's a big thing in the industry anyway. So um, anyway, we're going to move on to your next choice. And this is quite an unusual one and probably not something that I would have thought you would have chosen. Um, it came out in 1980 and it's from Barbara Streisand. Um, Yay! <laughs> talk us through this track, Rich. Uh, well, when I was about, um, I suppose, 1980, then I would have been about eight when my mum and dad split up. And uh, my mum took us away to this little cottage in Wales um, me my brother and her, her husband's two kids and um, my mum used to play the Guilty album by Barbara Streisand on which this track featured and when I used to hear her listening to it it's all about it's really it's like a real love song and I always used to think oh she's really sad because she misses my dad you know and I always used to get upset listening to it, although I fell in love with the song because it has the most beautiful string arrangement. And I love Barbara Streisand's voice anyway, and the whole album is brilliant. And it was only years later, listening to it again, when I realized that 
the fact that my the reason my mum was listening to this song was because she was in love with Andrew, who was her new her new guy, and she wasn't missing my dad. In fact, she hated my dad. <laughs> and she she was in love with Andrew, and it completely changed. I told my mum about this, and she was oh that's so sweet, you know. And I still play the song. I still play the track probably a couple of times a month still. Mm, beautiful. Have you got this on vinyl then? Of course, I've got two copies. Seed, I had a conversation with Seed Van Riel many years ago about it and he sent me a vinyl copy of the album through the post. No way, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that was my second copy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a big, I, I love um, the production by, you know, the Bee Gees, by, uh, I think it was Barry Gibb who produced it and the songs are really well written and it's just such a lush record. It's not even a guilty pleasure. I'm not even guilty about it. Rightly so. I mean, back back there, it won a Grammy Award for Record of the Year and the Best Woman Vocal Performance as well. Oh, did it? I didn't know that. Well, very well deserved. So let's take a listen then. This is Barbara Streisand with Woman in Love. This is The Golden Discs with Suzanne Chesterton on Voyager Radio.
Golden Disc Special with Suzanne Chesterton only on Voyager Radio. You are tuned into episode 100 of Voyager Radio. This is the Golden Discs, and I'm here with Solar Stone counting down his top tracks to put aboard our Voyager ship to be shipped off into infinity, waiting for an alien life force to find them. In the background is a track that surprised me with the first time that I heard it, that this was one of Rich's favourites. That was Barbara Streisand with Woman in Love. What a wonderful record, Rich. Mm, yeah, it's just, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. I mean, it's if I could write a string arrangement like that, oh, I would be. I would consider myself to be the greatest musician in the world. <laughs> would you really? You'd not think it was an accident? Uh, yeah, of course I would. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing track. So we're moving on to uh, track number four. This is from the Pet Shop Boys, one of their lesser known songs, I would say. Um, it's called Being Boring. Tell us a little bit about this. We say lesser known, but this, uh, well, this is track one off the Behaviour album, which came out in 1990. Um, and it's actually a fan favourite. This is most of the fans, it's their favourite Pet Shop Boys song because it, it perfectly encapsulates everything that's great about the Pet Shop Boys. You know, it's got really dry, um, slightly poignant lyrics that mean something. Uh, it was it was released around the time of the whole AIDS epidemic, you know, and a lot of Neil Tennant's, a lot of people Neil knew were dying. And um, it's so such a sort of... Um, languid song it's very melancholic and as i said poignant before and i'm a huge pet shop boys fan and this came out um when i was 18 and i was in a massive like pet shop boys phase pet shop boys this pet shop boys that and um yeah it's just a really personal track to me the perfect pet shop boys record wow i didn't know that i was uh, from from somebody who is aware of the Pet Shop Boys, but obviously doesn't is not a ma- massive fan of them. It was quite new to me the first time I heard this track. It only got to number twenty in the charts, and it was they kind of they just had this imperial phase, you know, where they had all the number ones always in my mind. It's a sin heart, and then they released this after the introspective album, and a lot of people were it wasn't like a big disco record it was very very the whole album's very very dark and deep and beautiful but it's my favorite album and god if you've never heard that album you should check it out it's their best album i think definitely definitely so this is from the pet shop boys this is being boring golden disc special only on voyager radio
Suzanne Chesterton's Golden Discs. You are locked into Voyager Radio. This is episode 100. I'm Suzanne Chesterton and I'm here with Solar Stone counting down his top 10 tracks that he would put aboard this space shuttle to be blasted off for an alien life force to find them. That was Being Boring, a track from 1990 and one of Rich's all-time favourites. Is that right, Rich? Yeah, I love the Pet Shop Boys. I even like their new stuff, but I wish they'd stop working with Stuart Price. I want them to work with somebody like Trevor Horn and make a... In fact, Trevor Horn produced the Behaviour album. Um, but I really miss the strings. You know, they used to work with orchestras and it's all been kind of a bit, I don't know, cheesy the last couple of albums. I'm hoping the next album's going to be uh, something different. How do you think that kind of style of music impacts the way that you produce nowadays? I'm not sure what impacts what I produce. I mean, I listen to so much different stuff, as you can probably tell by the tracks that I've been picking. You know, I listen to Six Music a lot, BBC Six Music, and this is such a great... I discover a lot of music on there. Um, and I think I take a little bit from here, a bit from there, like an idea for a chord progression from some classical music or... I don't get inspired by trance. I always feel a bit like, ugh, you know, most of it's crap. There's a few good producers out there, but my God, it's like anything else, you know, there's so much drivel <laughs> out there. You feel that you have to produce something to keep the quality threshold high. No, I, I completely get that. 
I complete that, get that. So when you um, uh, get demos and stuff through through to you, how do you separate the um, the good from the bad, and how long does that take you? Well, I just delete the bad ones. <laughs> no, but but you listen to a track. Do you listen to the whole thing? Do you listen to a few seconds? How does it work? No, I. Um Oh, this is, sounds really bad. If somebody sends me a demo and their whole email is written in capital letters, I delete it. If they send me a track and it's got a, the artist's track name is really childish and stupid, like flying into space on the back of my magic cat or something, I'll delete it. Um, if they sent it me more than two weeks ago and I didn't get around to listening to it, I delete it because somebody else might have signed it. Um, I listened to demos two day on uh, a couple of days ago and I went through 200 demos and I ended up with three out of those that I even considered replying to because most of it's crap. And I tell you what really annoys me is people who download these bloody templates. There's these things called templates. People listening to this probably don't know, but you can download a template that you load into your sequencer, like music production software. And it's basically a full track separated in all the different instruments and stuff. And then the idea is that you use that to, well, I guess you don't know what the idea is, but people basically just change a few notes and then send it to you as a demo, but they're all the bloody same. And I've had days where I've received a couple of tracks, which are the same track that a couple of people have bought. And it's just pathetic. And it's really annoying. That's not how you make music. You wouldn't do that in any other type of music. You wouldn't just take, you know, a, a song by The Clash and change a couple of notes and then say it was your new rock record. And it really bothers me. So I'm very, very funny when it comes to listening to demos. There has to be something in there that really grabs me. It can't just be okay, you know. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's okay if it's generic. If it is a really good example of that. Do you know what I mean? Go. What's a really good example of a generic? Something, something which. Oh my God! I'm not going to say any names because I don't want to offend anybody. But if, say, if I get sent a really like a 138 uplifting trance record, and it's got all the sounds you would expect, and it's got all the rhythms you'd expect, it's got the arrangement you'd expect, but there's something in it that makes you think, ah, oh, now this is what I call an uplifting trance record. And if I get something like that, I think they're not doing anything particularly new. They're not doing anything particularly original, but it's still, if you heard it in a club, it would completely blow your mind. So I, yeah, so I'm okay to sign stuff like that and release stuff like that occasionally, but I, I always try to look out for the gems and stuff that's a bit different and you know what I mean. Yes, I absolutely do. I completely understand where you're coming from. And I think a lot of people listening to this will, will find that quite valuable as well because it's not very often that you get kind of feedback like that. And a lot of people come to me um, and send me stuff and they genuinely, I mean, they might have tried lots of different labels and they don't know what they're doing wrong. And the, the track... But it's just crap. Yeah, the track might be great. Uh, the track might be all right, but it's, it's to do with, you know, when you send an email, uh, how, you, how you write the email, I mean, a lot of people have had it where they just put they just put a SoundCloud link and nothing else, not even a title in the email. Oh no, they might call, call it demo. Yeah. And then they'll send you a SoundCloud link with nothing else. And um, yeah, that kind of thing doesn't bother me so much. But what bothers me is when your worst critics are your parents and your best mate. You know, and people they they download a template and they change it a bit and they send it out and they think that is making music. Or alternatively, sometimes people. They know what they want and it's in their head, but they don't have the skills to engineer it or produce it properly, but they send it to you anyway. And in that case, you should work with an engineer and get them to help you, you know, get the track up to the standard required, but then tell the label that you didn't do it all yourself. 
you know. It's always been the same, Suze, I think. You know, you can go back to the 60s. There were still, there were plenty of groups out there who complained that they couldn't get any gigs, but they were just crap and people wanted the Beatles, you know. I completely get it. And speaking of amazing music, this next uh, track is probably something that um, our listeners might not have heard before. It's by a guy called Massonet. Uh, the, 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 tra- the title of the track is Meditation and it was first premiered at the Op- if I say this right Opier Garnier in Paris on March 16th 1894 so tell us a little bit about when you first heard this track which I don't think it was back then <laughs> I'm not that old oh my god <laughs> although when I did the, I did the three hour radio show stream the other day live video stream and I, I happened to glance at the comments and somebody said ha ha look at old man dancing <laughs> no way. <laughs> they did. Oh my god. But <clears throat> but this this piece of music, this is a funny one because when I was a uh, when I was a child, when I'd go around to see my grandmother and grandfather on my dad's side, Henry and Molly, I'd always hear my granddad whistling this this tune and I didn't know what it was. And then it must have been 20 years after he died. I heard it on Radio 4, this beautiful, and I recognised the melody, and I just had to stop the car and burst into tears, and I realised that this was this was what my granddad used to whistle. I, I remember him whistling it all the time, but he probably didn't. And then the strange thing was that um, I fell in love with this track, and then I played it to my dad, and my dad said he had no memory of my grandfather ever listening to Massonet or liking that piece of music and he didn't remember him whistling it. It's crazy. Yeah. But you did. Oh, I, it was definitely that. Definitely that. And I can still see him now sitting there whistling the song and then farting and winking at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love my granddad, Granddad Henry. If you can somehow hear this, it'd be, I do miss you, Granddad. Well, let's have a listen to the track then. This is Massonet with Meditation. Suzanne Chesterton's Golden Discs. Thank you. 
Golden Disc Special. Only on Voyager Radio. Susan Chesterton playing you something very different on episode 100 of Voyager Radio. That was Rich Solarstone's track number five of his Golden Discs. That was Massenet with Meditation. First premiered at the Opera Garnier in Paris in 1894. Now we're moving up from 1894 to 1987 now with something from New Order. The track number six is called True Faith. Tell us a little bit about this one, Rich. Well, this is the perfect pop record. I think the best thing New Order ever did or have ever done. Um, Again, it was from a period in my life when I was just becoming a man from being a teenager. And it has so much optimism in in it, this song. You know, as a teenager, you're normally very depressed, are you? And you think about killing yourself all the time. And well, I did. And um, I remember hearing this one day when I was feeling depressed and it just completely changed my mood and made me think, oh my God, life is worth living. You know, I can, maybe I can actually go out and get what I want. It's just so defiantly optimistic, this record. There's nothing else to say about it, really. And all the video is really good as well. (laughs) Well, let's check it out. This is True Faith from New Order. Welcome to Voyager Radio's Golden Discs with Suzanne Chesterton.
Suzanne Chesterton's Golden Discs. I'm Suzanne Chesterton and you are listening to episode 100 of Voyager Radio. That was New Order with True Faith, track number 6 of 10 on Solar Stone's Golden Discs. It's now come to the end of the show for our one-hour radio syndicators. If you're listening to this on the radio, you can hear the rest of this interview on the podcast on iTunes or Google, or check me out on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening and for all your support over the past 100 episodes. I'll catch you back here in seven days' time for a regular radio show. I'm Suzanne Chesterton. Bye for now. Bye-bye. This is Suzanne Chesterton's Voyager Radio.